0: This is second down on ESPN Radio. Christian GoKel, glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. PJ Zuko, keeping up the wonderful tradition, my favorite tradition. Yes, yes, yes. yes you yes, literally
1: yes, yes. asked me asked me something, and then and then went to turn up the mic. Threw me
0: a fact, and it was incomplete as the intro music <laughs> was playing.
1: And then you asked me no, no, about let's it. Let's do it. Let's do it now. And then you turned on the mics.
0: Tell me about it. Well, it's 2
1: 03. 2 04. Time to start the show. We could have just left it there. We could have just left it there. You asked a follow up. Time and, to start and the and show. And then now you're turning it on me.
0: I am turning it on you because it was an incomplete information pass.
1: I don't think it was.
0: You told me that college game day. Football season has announced their first location. I which had, is exciting. I hazarded a guess, very exciting. I hazarded yeah. a guest, which was Notre Dame, Ohio State. And then which I was like, So you I were come on to talk about it, yeah. I asked, is that a neutral site or is it at Ohio State? And you were like, I don't know. Could have left it there, but as the intro was playing, you started saying something else, and I had to cut you off.
1: Well, I mean, because I was I was looking at the college game day video and is on Instagram. There's no way to speed those videos up. So I, I couldn't speed it to the end to see the end. And by the end of it, when I had your answer, you were turning the mics on. Well, I have to So I I I, I I I know it. Like, I'm just saying it is what it is. But the first game of the year for College Game Day, hey, Notre Dame, Ohio State. That's awesome.
0: On location, it's Notre great. Dame, Ohio State. We're just not sure where. At Ohio where. State, but We're way. just not sure where. So it is at Ohio it State. It is at it's Ohio that's State. the horseshoe. Yes. All right. Got so it, probably got it next year they'll be at to Notre finish Dame. The video. Yeah. Week one, for probably. Ohio State and Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, most mostly. Like, or most just like. one of those home
0: and homes where there's like a couple of years in between.
1: Those are really odd, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't like those a lot. Hopefully, it's not. Well, but.
0: it is interesting, PJ, because you bring us in to the news of the day, which we have a bunch of. I'm gonna call it like. Tier two news. Okay. To dive into today, there's like nothing groundbreaking, earth-shattering, world collapsing college football news to get to today, but there's a whole bunch of like tier 2 news. Okay. Stuff that's interesting, at least I find interesting. Yeah. Stuff that the folks listening, I think would like to know. Of course. So, let's that's just dive into it. Let's start with uh enough. let's start yeah. with the opening weekend of college football. Oh yeah. Georgia fans will not have to wait until 7.30 again this season to open up their year. Was it 7.30 or 8 o'clock? Either way, you had to wait until a night game and just sit there in anticipation all day long for a big time, what was that, top four matchup between Georgia and Clemson last year? Something like that, yep. So, Oregon versus Georgia, Chick-fil-A kickoff game there in Mercedes-Benz will take place at 3 o'clock. It's a nice mid-afternoon game. Absolutely. I think the perfect time slot for college football. I know a lot of people like the noon kick. I know a lot of people like the pomp and circumstances, playing under the lights. I think the perfect time slot for college football, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, And then the aforementioned Notre Dame-Ohio State will be the primetime game at 7.30. I
1: think think that's good. I think that's fitting either way. But, I mean, yeah, you have a a full day of incredible hopefully incredible college football oh um, that is know, that oh, incredible. that whole yeah.
0: day is gonna be uh incredible regardless but uh i have Always seen is. some fans asking like why the hell is oregon traveling to atlanta and obviously they didn't just like decide this this year this has been in the works for a while yeah. but, like why did they decide to travel to atlanta to catch a butt whooping? Because it's going to be a butt whoop. Are we and sure? A, oh, yes. And that is a rough way. It, if I told you nothing else, Bo Nix is the quarterback for Oregon.
1: He's a quarterback for Oregon. No, he's
0: he's going to be the quarterback for Oregon.
1: Did we think the same thing last year when Oregon went to Ohio State, though?
0: I suppose. That's all I'm
1: saying. That's all I'm saying. It's I just, suppose. Like, give a so
0: you're talking about a team that gave up 55 points to Utah in the Rose Bowl. That also I'm beat Ohio State, about yeah. the defending national champions. Oh, well, n- wait, no.
1: Uh, that's true. My bad. I got confused with what now, you were saying.
0: <laughs> does Georgia struggle in Mercedes-Benz? Yes.
1: From time to time. Do they
0: typically struggle against Alabama? Yes. So I mean, there's kind of an overlap there. Then, did they get their teeth kicked in by Joe Burrow one year? Sure.
1: That was one of the best teams of all time.
0: Yeah, I mean, Yeah. so I mean, yeah. Mercedes-Benz hasn't been wonderful to Georgia. They had to mount a comeback against Cincinnati
1: comebacks a couple years
0: back. Winning's winning the prequel to Cincinnati's playoff run though so that was really good very true that was a really good uh, Cincinnati team Finish. Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter leading that squad how fitting that he's back playing in Mercedes <laughs> yeah, Benz
1: very true both those seasons finished very similar ways for yeah. Cincinnati but though, you're, you're at,
0: people are asking why, why would why would Oregon do that I will give you five million reasons why yeah as you should both teams are going to receive five million dollars to play in that game
1: play in one game yeah that's incredible. 5 I mean for them.
0: million dollars to do that, but I was curious. I wanted to go back and look like what the cuz this is basically the Miami Alabama game from last year. Similar, yeah. Where Miami just got toasted, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, Did, you, did you, they not? You ho- yes, you hope that that is how this ends up. Yes. It's very true. Although that was Alabama at Miami. And
0: No, that was not at Miami. That was in Mercedes Benz. It wasn't. Yeah, last year. Uh, all the right. Start of the season. Yeah, that's true.
1: No, it confused me.
0: It confused well, me. Now you have now you have me questioning myself.
1: I thought because it seemed like there was a whole lot of. I don't know, man. I'm I'm not. I'm not.
0: Why are you Why are you making me? Question that's not the conv- conversation.
1: Though? All I'm saying is, I just wouldn't. I I think Oregon and. Miami may be in different situations. How so? Like, Miami last year, everyone was excited about Derek King, for sure, but I don't know if, especially going in and playing Alabama the first game of the season, I think it was like, well, if Derek King doesn't have an insanely good game, if you look at kind of his surrounding cast, it was like was if he doesn't have an insanely good game, that might be Quite the blowout, and that's how it ended up. I think most of the excitement was it's Miami and it's Alabama, two big names. You're hoping, you know, maybe Miami can get back to prominence. Yeah, last year, blah, 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 blah,
0: blah. last year that was in Mercedes Benz, just to clarify. Okay, don't make me question myself. Do they
1: just, I don't know, no,
0: Carry that's, on. That, that's
1: cool though. Um, all I'm saying is, I feel like Oregon as a team and as a program is in a different spot than Miami was last year. And at the same time, we'll see, because they are replacing a lot. Had a top-ten pick. Go off that defense. You had several playmakers on the offensive side that aren't on that team anymore. Maybe you have Bo Nix as your starting quarterback. So could it end up as a blowout? Yes.
0: No, Peter, that game is going to end up as a blowout. Okay. I mean... Okay. Is it going to be a good looking game with Oregon with some kind of fire uniforms coming out there? Absolutely. Sure. Like Nike is not going to let them go out there in just the old, whatever Oregon uniforms for the Chick Fil A kickoff game. But
1: no, you know it's going to be like all black or like metallic something. Like well, that's the question
0: though. Is like if it's if Georgia's the higher ranked team and it's in Atlanta, is Georgia the home team and they're going to be in red? And if that's the case, do you get a color game where it's like red versus green?
1: Maybe red, red, yellow. That could be fun. it be filthy. Come out with all yellows or they uh, the go ultimate
0: flex from Georgia would be coming out. in The power ranger uniforms.
1: Oh God. I don't know if that, that's the ultimate or they could Oregon could make everyone mad. Like they did not everyone, but uh, I remember the big thing when they made, made the national championship game was they came out in what I thought was sick, like white on silver metallic, uh, kind of. And, and I think black numbers. It looked, looked to me, looked sick. Let had like the yeah. stormtrooper look and everyone of course, Had to to make fun. be like, well, they make the national championship game. They don't even wear their own colors. What is that? Like, yeah, but they looked great. Kind of get that.
0: Uh, But, no, I was – that news and just the thought of Oregon and Dan Lanning with the unenviable task of having to play against the defending national champions, regardless if it's the team that he used to be the defensive coordinator for, uh, whoever the team is, it's like your first game as a head coach is in the home state, even if it's not the home stadium of the defending national champions. Yeah. Probably doesn't usually go well. That's going to be soaked in red. For that first-year yeah. coach, right? For sure. So I was like, okay, what is the record typically of the opposing force, I'll put it out there, the op four, that comes in and plays against the SEC in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game? This oh, has been yeah. going on since 2008. Right. The SEC has lost twice.
1: Yeah. I can't even remember what those games
0: are. I was going to say, can you hazard a guess? No, I,
1: I honestly Cause I have no idea. Because I already mentioned one of them. Because when I think about these games, like, was one of them, was one of them Auburn?
0: One of them was Auburn. Do you remember who beat them? Auburn, Louisville. Not Louisville. Okay. Clemson. 2012. Clemson taking out Auburn 26 to 19. 2012. Yep. Uh, And again, this is a lot. There's been a lot of years where there was two games uh, that were played. Yeah. But then the other one, I already mentioned it. The Power Ranger game, where Boise <laughs> State, true. yeah, and Kellen Moore come in, Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, right. uh, come in and mm-hmm. just cook Georgia with nothing but Texas routes. Yeah, no, I was. Was that Doug I Martin on that team? I think it was. Probably Kellen Moore, Doug Martin, yeah. I think it was just Doug Martin running angle routes against Georgia's linebackers, and <laughs> Georgia's linebackers had no idea what to do with it.
1: Right? <laughs> what is going
0: on? I mean, and the. That, I, I love those Boise State teams because everyone like thought that they were like so revolutionary uh to college football it's like wow we've never seen a g5 team come out and play like this that those offenses were NFL as hell
1: yeah they were incredible
0: like it, well I, I don't say that as a compliment I say that as they were like the cookie cutter of every NFL offense we've seen from 2006 to 2018 right where it's under center with 11 personnel, and you're going to run zone to the left side, and you're going to get four yards out of Doug Martin. But then you're going to come back, and you're going to run same formation, uh, play action, and hit a drag route. And it's going to be seven yards at a time. Uh, and then every now and then you'll take a shot, but then you'll come back, and it'll be second and ten. And you have that play in your playbook where you can pick up three yards in your second and seven. Like, there was nothing fun. About that yep. Boise State offense. It was just designed for efficiency and mass casualties. Like that's <laughs> yep. that's all that offense was designed for. So like people think back on that and they're like, man, that was fun as hell. It's like, no, you're thinking of the Jared Zirkle Boise State, where they're running the Statue of Liberty and the hook and ladder. Only reason they were doing that is because they were down and they had to make something happen yep. with very limited time left on the clock. Go back and watch the rest of that game. It is boring as hell NFL offense <laughs> from Boise State. It really like is. Ohio, that is, that Oklahoma is was so yeah. much more lit in that game. They had Adrian Peterson back there doing it yeah. like that. People think back to that game and like, man, Boise State just this clucky upstart team. Like, no, hell no. They look like every Cincinnati Brown or Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, that was 40 slip. Yeah, combine the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals uh, and the uh, Cleveland Browns into one team, and that's basically what the offense was like. The Thursday night football offense from the Browns is right. what. Boise State ran. And it worked. Yeah. I mean, uh, God, know, that's, it the, that's the weird
1: watch. thing, right, is is it worked. And like you said, it wasn't rev- revolutionary, but, um, y- you know, you had that span, and Boise State obviously is still – Around today, you Man, know, they're, they're still still now. making their impact. Sometimes they're, like, they're not even but,
0: like the top five of cool G five teams anymore. They used to be the G five team. They're not even top five anymore. No, I mean UCF we, came we've in had UCF with red solo a cups,
1: fake national championships, and from, the Kanye you know,
0: West sunglasses. It yeah. just like took the mantle.
1: And now it's now it's since it now Cincinnati has uh-huh. broken the mold. Uh-huh. Like they're the group of five teams. No, that, that got a seat at the Boise table.
0: State crawled so UCF could, could walk. Yeah, so yeah, Cincinnati yeah. could fly.
1: Very true. But now they're aren't they joining the Big Twelve?
0: I mean, they haven't sold out yet. Like they're technically going they're to. But they're still yeah, yeah. they're they're still they haven't moved over to the Big Twelve yet.
1: <laughs> oh, very true. But like you say about those offenses though, I mean you are insanely right, but at the same time there was that stretch of time for four or five years where it wasn't I don't think it was the offense it was so unconventional because it wasn't, but the players they got to run in that offense mm-hmm. were very
0: oh. of 5 like. Well, no, that's other, like that's the other. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the other thing too is people look back and they're like, wow, with all of these these players that just nobody knows, like dude, it was Doug Martin, like he yeah. was really good. Remember his? Uh, remember the nickname?
1: The muscle oh, the, uh, hamster. The muscle hamster. Yeah, love
0: it. Yeah, they
1: had some pretty good wide receivers too. Austin Pettis, mm-hmm. right? Some there was dudes. a couple
0: other ones. But you say they had some dudes. Can't remember off the top of my head, but. And they still have that that cool blue turf, but.
1: Very true. Everyone's trying. to... speaking of like
0: G5 teams, like it doesn't have the coolest turf anymore. I would say my favorite turf is the teal out of Coastal Carolina, just because it makes people mad. I don't know. And man. what is the point of having colored turf if not to make people mad? Very true. Very Eastern true. Washington with the red Eastern, turf.
1: That's that's who I was gonna bring up. Then again, I don't know who my favorite. I don't. This isn't even like a traditionalist. Like, oh, you don't mess with the football fit, whatever. Because I I think it's cool. At the same time, I do find myself like. I go to watch games on those football fields, and I change the channel in like ten minutes because I'm just like I can't. I'm waiting for the first school to go
0: full like NBA NBA streets, like on it, like where you could like do the court designer, (laughs) and you could have like the different like artistry throughout the court. Like I'm waiting for the first college team that does that, where it's like a black field with like different like painting and graphics.
1: That would be really cool throughout the field. It's starting to go that way because like. It used to be just with basketball that would courts. That
0: suck at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah.
1: It used to be just with basketball courts. You add like, the designs and stuff yeah. like that. Like Oregon came out with the trees and the forest or whatever. And then you add the the logos in the center court with the bigger logos behind it. You're starting to see that. I know they don't get on TV a lot anymore because they're really, really bad. But um, Arizona. Don't talk about Penn State. Oh, Arizona. Hey, wait a minute. Arizona, they have the big A in the middle. Yeah. And then they have the... the Arizona like in the background kind of spanning from I think like the 30 to the 30 or something like that so I think we're getting closer to that did not
0: did not think I don't know about did not think field design is where we're gonna end up here but I'm glad I'm glad we did we have more college football news (laughs) uh to get to again just a ton of again I'll call them tier two stories coming out but I think interesting stuff Georgia Tech uh landing a couple of guys from the transfer portal I don't know how much better they're going to make the Yellow Jackets, but they sure as hell got taller. Uh, also, some more drama from the Alabama-Texas pipeline. We'll dive into that. Georgia uh, adds another recruit to the 2022 class. Thought they were done. They now have 30 players in that 2022 class. Uh, we'll dive into who that was. Also, some Braves news to dive into as well. Atlanta Braves losing one to nothing last night. You talk about yeah on a pass ball. I was going to say, you talk about like not, you
1: open this segment with you know, not a bunch of groundbreaking, insane, big storyline, breaking news things, right? That's kind of how you describe last night's game from, from the Braves.
0: One. To the not- only thing that's breaking is my sanity, watching the Braves yeah. strike out that much. But we'll dive into all of it. This is Second Down. We're presented to you by the Uniform Source, two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. We got more to come right here on ESPN Radio after this. The continuing saga of J.I. Hall continues. Really came onto the national scene in the national championship game once Jamison Williams got injured for Alabama. Or number 84 for the Crimson Tide, freshman wide receiver. Immensely talented. Had a huge spring game for Alabama prior uh, to last season. And then after this season. Nick Saban, speaking at an event, comes out and says, hey, there's three players that played the national championship that weren't ready because they had opportunities throughout the year to better themselves but instead complained about playing time and when they finally got playing time, weren't ready. So Nick Saban sending unnamed shots, but we kind of all knew who those three players were because Alabama – think back to that game, it's missing, as of halftime, their top two wide receivers and top two DBs. So Nick Saban had some words for some of his players, and then Hall comes to find out that he is no longer on the Alabama football team. Nick Saban would reveal whether it was classroom stuff, team issue stuff, but basically saying their standards that he was not living up to, no longer with the Alabama football team. He transfers out to Texas to play for Steve Sarkeesian former Alabama offensive coordinator. Uh, Though Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for Alabama during Hall's time in Tuscaloosa, it was still the Steve Sarkeesian offense.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right? So Hall thinks, okay, I can go out. Uh, You got old Quinn Ewers transferring back from Ohio State to play for his home state in Texas. Hall can go out there, partner up with him, play for Texas, and probably get some immediate playing time, right? Well, as of today, Hall has deleted all Texas social media from his accounts, and is no longer listed on the University of Texas roster, mm. and never actually enrolled at the school. Per reports.
1: Interesting, interesting point there for sure. Yeah, that's never a good sign.
0: This is fascinating now because where where's where's he gonna go now? He could be playing for your school, not like your school, but just like anybody's. Yeah, school. yeah,
1: anybody out there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Still 128 FBS options for him to go after.
1: Very true. There's plenty. There's plenty. That is very odd, though, very interesting. Like you said, but never never enrolled at the school, apparently, yeah. to begin with. Have we ever so, talked about
0: a person who I think has, like, seven catches more? <laughs> like, for his career?
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, no. Off he, the top of my head, He
0: no. kind of stays in the media and does a good job just kind of using the... It's, like, very Kevin Durant-esque, using the one comment on social media to keep your name <laughs> top of mind because... yeah. He tweeted out, I think it was after New Mexico State that Alabama played, where he didn't get targeted once during the game, even like when he was getting like the scrub time. At the end, he says, basically, nah, nah, that's it, I'm out. Tweeted it, deletes the tweet. Right. It's just a great way to stay top of mind. <laughs> but also a great way to make your head coach go, I'm not dealing with this.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Especially when your head coach is Nick Saban. For sure. And already... That kind of went when the news with Texas started to come out, seeing as he was going to be there. I mean, we thought was was already there or whatever. Right. Um, you know, uh, Texas has had themselves a certainly interesting few moments during the off season as well. You talk about the comments.
0: <sighs> yeah. from
1: the, the I know it's on the other side of the ball, but really was talking about the, the whole team. And you talk about just kind of the team mindset and from the defensive lineman and the team mindset and, you know, how he viewed – the team and where they need to improve. And then, of course, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian basically saying he needs to keep that to himself. And he won't be talking to the media. media. He yeah. won't be talking
0: to the media for a and
1: while. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting situation for a wide receiver who's already kind of had some interesting moments in the media and on Twitter and things like that to walk into. So, I don't know. Maybe it's better for him that, that he doesn't wind up at Texas. Maybe, maybe it's better for him in the long run um, with – you know, his, his next step and, you know, where he can move on from here. But that is kind of a lightning rod at, at the same time. Right. Because obviously it's a guy that's, that's very, very skilled. Yeah. We've seen his ability when flashes, like you said, had a huge spring game, you know, a year and a half ago or so, but.
0: It's just interesting. There's a ton of like top wide receiver transfer talent out there right now. Yeah. I mean, we still don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Addison. Right. and I wonder how much of that is he had some stuff on the table ready to rock for whenever he transferred to whatever school he was going to transfer to and now the tampering allegations have come out and even though they've been pretty toothless so far the NCAA saying they're going to crack down on those things got quiet. I, I real really quick. wonder if he's waiting for things to cool down before he decides where he's going to transfer as of right yeah. now he's still like he's in the transfer portal he's just floating yeah you can decide to go back to Pitt. Uh, In other college football news, uh, Georgia added another member to the 2022 class as Marcus Washington Jr. has elected to forego his senior season of high school over at Grovetown in Augusta. Uh, And the four-star has reclassified to the 2022 class. So he becomes the fourth corner to join Georgia uh, in that class and bumps them up to 30 overall prospects there if Marcus Washington sounds familiar uh, to some Georgia football fans out there prepare to feel old because yes he is indeed Marcus Washington Jr. the son <laughs> of Marcus Washington who played for Georgia from 2005 uh, to 2009 there during the Mark Richter award number 44 linebacker defensive lineman uh, kind of guy they're really good player a kind of rotational player but flashed uh, a lot for Georgia he's now the defensive coordinator and strength and conditioning coach at Grovetown where his son Marcus Washington Jr. Played for him and started for three years at Grovetown, now taking his talents up uh, to Athens and basically citing in his mind, in his family's mind, it was time for him to just go ahead and start developing under Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart and Fran Brown, the Georgia's new cornerbacks coach, but also gives Georgia some, I think, needed depth at that cornerback position. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: for sure. Uh, I know that's, that's one place, especially with, with this defense, that... You look to, you look at to to step up, but I mean, at, at the same time, that depth is is going to be huge. Well, we talked
0: what, about it a lot, right? right? Think like, about what they've lost the past couple of years. I mean, yeah. obviously, you lose a bunch from the front seven this year, but Lewisine, uh goes in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah. Hard to replace. And uh, Darian Kendrick, who transferred in, has gone out to the NFL as well. But prior to that, you lost Mark Webb, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes. Like you lost your secondary, except for. Lewis scene. Yeah. And now coming back, it's really, it's Keeley Ringo and Christopher Smith.
1: Right. With two very good players, but right. I mean, then who else is going to, who else are going to fill still those wa- holes? You're still waiting you know? for
0: who's going to step up on the yeah. other side of Keely Ringo. And I know Keely Ringo uh, is a potential top 10 pick at cornerback and has one of the greatest plays in the history of Georgia football now. Right. But still at times last year, showed... And again, retro freshman, but just showed lapses in coverage judgment. Right, right. So, like, I know he has the star potential, but hasn't been like he he is not anywhere close to what you saw from Sauce Gardner last year. Or I even say Kobe Bryant on the other side of him at Cincinnati. Right, he's not. He's more skilled than them, maybe, but he hasn't shown that leverage of coverage ability yet. So, I think that cornerback is a big concern uh, for Georgia, especially the fact that. Quarterbacks are going to have more than 1.2 seconds, probably, to stay in the pocket this Most year. Most likely, being yeah. the fact that you know, Trevon Walker and Jordan Davis and Devonta Wyatt and Nickoby Dean and Quay Walker and Channing Tindall and all those guys are gone.
1: Yep. So, lots of monsters, but that's so, yeah. that's a lot to replace. Yeah. So, yeah. you're gonna you're
0: gonna have some times where coverage is going to have to make up for lack of a pass rush, uh, and is adding a little bit more depth uh, to that cornerback position. I do want to hit some more college football news here, real quick. Uh, Tyson Pumachon. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, former Clemson quarterback uh, sat behind Trevor Lawrence and DJ Uyungalele, uh the past couple of years. Big time quarterback was the number four overall uh, dual threat quarterback coming out in 2019. He has transferred to Georgia Tech. So staying inside the ACC, joining Jeff Collins and them boys uh, down there in Atlanta. And dude's about 6'3", 6'4", big time arm and super athletic. I think fits what Jeff Collins wants to do. So they add another quarterback to that room, and I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about this next guy, because Georgia Tech got a couple of transfers in. EJ Jenkins from South Carolina played sporadically last year uh, for the Gamecocks, and has one year of eligibility left, because he spent most of his time on FCS. Dude is listed as a wide receiver at 6'7", 240 pounds. Goodness gracious. And I loved Ken Segura's article in the AJC, because he said, and he could play some tight end. I'm like, no, nah, he's gonna play some tight end. 6'7", 240 <laughs>
1: Feel like he has he to line right? him
0: up at the X, <laughs> yeah.
1: Goodness gracious, you're not gonna. Uh, don't but feel he's like a tight end, don't feel like you're gonna see a lot of double moves, yeah, from our guy
0: there. Like Gilbert at Georgia, 6'4, 6'5. You can kind of lie to me and say, Yeah, he's gonna play wide receiver, I'm like he's a tight end standing up at the X, like, yeah, but you can lie to me and say that when you're 6'7.
1: Yeah, no. Stop. You're no
0: longer a wide receiver, sir. Stop trying You're a left to tackle me. that can catch. <laughs>
1: yeah, insanely true. Not, I mean, shoot, that'll be uh, that. That'll be fun to see. That's quite the target.
0: Also, brings it, me to my it's quite
1: the target in the red zone. Too. Brings me I to mean, one of my favorite
0: uh, high school football points. If you are someone out there and you're six one, six two, I'll even go up to like six five, six six, and you're not good at basketball, and it's just it's becoming extremely clear to you you sophomore, junior, yeah. kind of sit on the bench during the high school basketball games, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go talk to your high school football coach because I guarantee you they have a spot for you.
1: Yep. There's something somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Whether that's defensive end, defensive tackle, tight end.
0: Yeah. Th- there's a spot. 6-3 ain't much on a basketball court. 6-3 has football coaches drooling.
1: Yeah. It's infinite
0: potential. And is there anything the funnier court. in high school than seeing the football coaches just walking around the hallways just kind of scouting? Like, <laughs> hey! Yeah. How tall are you?
1: Well, hold on. We get any transfers in this week? What happened?
0: You ever played football? No? Don't worry about it. Come talk to me. Come to my office. Yep. We'll find a spot. You know exactly who I'm talking about, too. I don't want people lying to me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He is wearing the, the sh- coaching shorts down past his knees. Yep. He might have, like, a floppy hat on. Got an extra, extra large T-shirt, which I love coaching gear sizes. And I love my... I love my... I love... My high school coaches. I want to clarify that. For sure. But an XL for a regular person is so different than XL and high school football coaching polos. Yep. <laughs> yep. I wear an XL regularly. Like, this shirt I'm wearing right now is an XL. Fits like a t-shirt should fit. I wear a XL coach's shirt. It's, like, down to mid-thighs.
1: Yep, down to mid-thighs. You know, the uh, the sleeves might be close to the elbows, if not at yeah. the elbows, like, they're they're different.
0: Um, built built a little different there. <laughs> built a little different. So wide shoulders. Yeah. Uh, again, but yeah, EJ Jenkin's 6'7", 240, my guy.
1: It's I don't know. If he could does be a tight end, you're a tight end. If he does line up at wide receiver, like you said, if he lines up on the outside at all, all that you know what that play call is. Hey, go to the back corner.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm gonna throw it there and I'm I'm gonna throw it high. Like, like just
0: really high. Just
1: literally reach up and you'll be fine.
0: And they may uh Georgia Tech might be coming to talk to him about basketball. They, they probably, might be coming they, to him to yeah. talk about a lot of things because they're struggling a, a, a lot. A lot of things. We have some yeah. Braves news uh, to dive into. Ronald Acuna has been missing uh, for the past few games. He came back playing really well, but was playing a little bit slower than we're used to seeing him per a lot of the uh, track tracker indexes in terms of his top overall speed was typically uh, in the top 5% in baseball. For his top sprint speed had kind of dropped back down to like the top 60%. in baseball obviously makes sense after recovering from an ACL. Uh, but now he has been missing time with a groin injury. Don't know yet if he's going to be back tonight. But all indications are pointing towards that. Having Ronald back in the lineup. Uh, but We have some other Braves news to dive into. They have are continuing their series against Milwaukee Brewers tonight. You'll be able to hear all of that right here on ESPN Radio. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and give you the news next on 2nd Down. Second down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Got some Braves news to dive into. I hadn't known who the starting pitcher for tonight's game was going to be for a while, uh, but we do have some news that came out during the break from the Atlanta Braves. They have recalled Tucker Davidson, uh, Let the big lefty, to Atlanta to start tonight's game and placed Tyler Matzik, reliever extraordinaire, hero, one of the heroes, I'd say, of that World Series run on the 15-day IL, uh, and they backdated that to May 14th uh, with left shoulder inflammation. He is scheduled to be back in Atlanta and getting an MRI, I believe, today. Uh, So Tyler Matzik, a crucial part of that bullpen, out for at least a couple of weeks, and now Tucker Davidson getting the start. PJ, ask Kevin, when was an okay time to start panicking and complaining if you're an Atlanta Braves fan. And you know Kevin as well as I do. And my man won't complain until everything's on fire.
1: <laughs> Very true. Maybe
0: like, that thing's sparking over there. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Not time to panic yet. We'll get it figured out. Mr. Smoke, that's fine. All right, that wall's on fire. Okay, may it's time to do something. All right. right? Cool. I asked Kevin, as the Atlanta Braves sit at 16 and 20, seven games back, from those upstart New York Mets, mm-hmm. who've kind of leveled off a little bit over the last few games. Let's see. Yeah, they're five and five over their last ten. The Braves five and five as well. I ask him, when is it okay? When's an acceptable time for you to start panicking if you're the Atlanta Braves? And mind you, panicking doesn't mean giving up. No, yeah, panicking means like something needs to happen. Right. Right. He said the All Star break. Yep. That may uh, yeah. That makes sense. There has to be something relative in there, right? Where it's like, all-star break, 10 games back. You're seven games back right now. And you're, what, 36 games into the season?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's so You're almost to the quarter yeah.
0: point, and you're seven games back. So when's the acceptable time to be like, this might not be it? I think it's
1: sooner than that. And this is uh, this is part of, the, I think, the problem with, and I know this is going to sound crazy, this is the part of the problem I had with kind of last year. And I know he made the run, won the World Series, that's fantastic. But now things are, are shaping up in a very similar fashion. Where it's just, oh, we just didn't get a good start. Oh, you know, spring training was shortened up. You had the holdout and all, this other different, all these other different things. Oh, well, Acuna is not back yet. He's not feeling 100%. Once he gets back, that'll be the spark. You know, and you keep delaying this kind of. just nothing's come together yet, but we've seen flashes. And like you said, you're you're sitting what? seven, eight games back now, You're under five hundred. And well, everything worked out last year, So who said it can't happen again? You can't get too comfortable with that. And I know i'm I'm not saying that players and coaches and you know snit are are walking in. Every single day, and, and saying, "Well, it's fine. We can procrastinate. We did it last year. It's okay." I'm not saying that, but as as a as a fan, as you know, someone who ingests and you know talks about the Braves, you know, every single day or whatever, or or as a part of the fandom, I feel like before, like the same time frame as last year cannot apply to this team because. Last year, I think we all remember that point where it was like, "All right, what are the Braves going to do? Are they going to sell this season? Basically, are they going to sell this season completely and and give up on it and try and basically start oh, B- a, re- start BJ a rebuild?"
0: In, BJ was in here before the All Star break saying, "Hey, it's just trying to. It's time to trade Freddie Freeman. And it's you t- it's time. It's time to change.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's time for changes. It's time for the rebuild to start." I'm not like taking a shot. This- I'm just saying
0: like that's. That's and it's what like, happened, But right? it, was, it was a realistic conversation. I'm not trying to take a shot at him now. I'm no, I'm, was, no, I'm not either. It was a realistic either. conversation.
1: Yeah. I think that was, that was a conversation that all of us were having, and we were on either side of it, right? He was on that side of it, but it, it was a very realistic possibility, and it made sense. And then, of course, you go out, you say, nope, we're going to try and win this year and make those trades. Everything you know, catches that spark and, and sets fire in a good way. That's not going to happen this year. You know, it, it, I, we're not going to see that type of movement, I don't think, with how the contracts are are worked out and everything with this team. That's not going to happen this year. You got who you got.
0: I think you might so, see them go after maybe another starter and maybe another bullpen piece. But in terms of the bats, right, It's it's been a lot of injuries early, yeah, but yeah. also just a lot of kind of sluggish starts and some that have started to pick it up a little bit. But I think the biggest problem for the Atlanta Braves right now is just their approach at the plate. The strikeouts right now, what, I believe 16 yeah. last night. starting pitcher Peralta last night had 10 strikeouts. It's just the approach, right? How many times this year have we seen the Braves where a the other team chokes up on the bat and they're not hitting home runs. They're just hitting bloops into the outfield and they're getting on base mm-hmm. and they're scoring runs. I mean, that's how you lost last night is the Brewers put pressure on you by getting on base, having a guy on third base, and you throw a ball away into the dirt. Darno can't control it, even though right now he might be the best catcher in baseball he can't control it and they score a run that way and you end up losing one to nothing. Right now the Atlanta Braves lead Major League Baseball in strikeouts with 350 on the season. The next closest are the Angels who are 3 back. After that, the next two closest teams are the Diamondbacks and the Orioles with 330.
1: And think about, I mean that makes sense though too. Think about the Angels and, you know, the kind of players they have on their team. They're going for the fences every time they go to bat. Yeah. Um, so it would make sense well, that the they're Braves. right up there with the Braves, but of course the, you, you don't want to see that by any means this, and is, and it's Swanson still up there in yeah. the, the solo strikeouts, you know, you're oh, talking about I, players. I would, I mean, would I have imagine. to
0: imagine, uh, but the Braves also right now, uh, tied for seventh worst team batting average. Yeah. And it's even worse than that with runners in scoring positions. So. I just think the approach of the plate has been weird. There's nothing cohesive about it. There's no threats about it. It's just everybody get up there, solo ride, and we'll see what we can do. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody just try to smack one into the alleyways or over the fence, and we'll just kind of roll off there. It's no, like, again, every, I'm so sick of being baseball-splained to me why Matt Olsen shouldn't just shoot a ball into left field. Right. Where it's like they have a shift where there's nobody to the left of second base. Mm-hmm. If he pokes one that way, it's going to roll until Friday. Yeah. Right? Might get, like, like, could easily probably get a double out of that. Just what would be a routine single could probably Standing get a double up, out of that. Yeah. But I keep hearing, oh, well, they don't pay him to do that. Well, that's really okay. That's, that's fine when your offense is clicking and you want that power bat right there. That's fine. But when you're not scoring a run. You gotta find a way. You're down one to nothing, yeah. and you're like, "Well, you know, one swing of the bat, and he could he could tie this bad boy up, like, or he could, with a much higher percentage chance, shoot one in the left field and be on base. Yep, and put some pressure on the defense. Mm-hmm. Very and quickly, I would, be I would do that. I'm doing that until they they move the shift back. Yeah, every single time. But I keep getting explained to. Well, oh, you know, they 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 feel they do, they don't want him to do that. They they, they want him to be that power bat. They, they want the shot at a home run. I'm like, okay, well, he has two or three home runs on the year right now.
1: Yeah. Have fun with your
0: one-nothing no, losses then. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's the reality right now with all these strikeouts, uh, the Braves approach at the plate. But, hey, chance to get it right tonight. We still don't There's know. There's always a chance. We still don't know what the lineup looks like. That's one of the joys of doing the 2 o'clock show. It's three and out. Usually right when they start is when the lineups get dropped. Uh, But... We do know Tucker Davidson will get the start for the Atlanta Braves tonight. That one coming up a little bit later pregame starting at 6 o'clock following 3-and-out. Speaking of 3-and-out, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get you ready for him next right here on ESPN Radio. 3-and-out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. Speaking of 3-and-out, PJ, they stole a fact that I learned over the weekend yesterday and talked about on the show, but I'm curious if you've heard about it. You know who Wander Franco is? Baseball player, superstar for the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course. He's got a couple of brothers. Haven't you know oh, what their names
1: yeah. are? Yeah, yeah, I actually do. Wander. Yeah. And who else? Wander. There you go.
0: And, of course, Wander Franco Jr., so that would imply that their dad's name is?
1: I think Wander.
0: Yeah. yeah. But also the Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays, he has a young son. I Wonder. No, you don't, because his name's Wander. There you go. I love that. Keeps things simple. Keeps things easy. Never
1: going to forget what your kid's a wonder, name.
0: What a wonderful family. Speaking of wonderful, okay. three and out, coming up next right here on ESPN Radio.